Dustin. Hey. Howdy, howdy, howdy. How's it going? Woo. My uh, my son today decided that he was going to start saying yeehaw. <laughs> I guess someone at school got him into it. What in tarnation? Yeah, he he was at daycare, and he I said something like, "All right, let's go back, let's go to the car, let's go home." He's like, "Yeehaw!" <laughs> All right. <laughs> Whatever floats oh, your boat, awesome. homie. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh boy! All right, you want to talk about the weekend box office? Yeah, let's do it. I'll uh, I'll briefly sort of mention that if people are paying attention to the podcast feed. We are moving the bulk of this weekend box office uh, to our as yet untitled mini show. Yeah. Uh, so, so Dustin and I shall break this down uh, start to finish uh, today. And then you'll hear the next box office on Monday, I believe. Yeah. So uh, yeah, a little bit of that. Talk about that Sweet. more later, probably. All right. Yeah. Um, this weekend's box office um the new number one is the Fast and the Furious presents, or sorry, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Yep. Which, if you don't see ads at all, is a spinoff uh, of two meaningless characters in the franchise, <laughs> played by yep. two pretty bankable action stars, yep. <laughs> that being Jason Statham and The Rock. And it made $60 million over this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, $200 million budget. I think it's right around $200 million worldwide this weekend. Yep. Universal movie. Uh, it looks big and dumb. And all over the internet, I'm seeing people making excu- excuses for it. Um, <laughs> and uh, I have zero interest. It just looks pretty. It's, I think because I'm so into like superhero movies and action films in general, I have this need to like draw a line in the sand with what I think is totally ridiculous mm-hmm. and what I think is meritorious action storytelling. Sure. You know, The Matrix, Mission Impossible, the Marvel movies, in large part, those are all action storytelling done well. Yeah, Hobbs yeah. and Shaw is just super implausible bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I like that sometimes, but no, this something about this one just seemed completely overt and a money grab. I mean, for God's sake, sure. it's, it's, it's a spinoff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, totally. It it also seems to have opened a little lower than than I thought it would. Um, you think so? The, yeah. So the Fate of the Furious was the last one, and its opening weekend um, was ninety eight million dollars. Oh. Um, so my thought was that we might have been on an upswing. Right. Um, although, if if. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. The the number one for that series is still Furious Seven, um, which opened with 147 million. Wow. Yeah, and so so Furious Seven has 147 million. Fate of the Furious um, again 98 million. So so the idea was, you know, obviously that's a drop, but I didn't think it would relate to this much of a drop. Maybe, maybe the the folks that really love Fast and Furious didn't come out to see this like they were hoping. Um, I'm I'm not sure how to really account for that because I kind of felt like this would do better than 60 million. Not that 60 million domestically is a is is a flop, but um, but that certainly is lower than what I thought it was going to be. What, what about you? I, 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 don't, I didn't have any expectations for this. I just sort of have an opinion on Dwayne Johnson. I sure. think he's over. I think he's oversaturated in the market now. Sure, sure. Um, and maybe his star power doesn't mean as much, uh, you know, as it might have for other properties. And and I I I I have plenty of evidence to back this up. I think that he's. I read some article about a month back, and someone had sort of broken this all down, and basically. The idea is that he is very in tune with how to keep his brand relevant. Mm. Um, and he's a very savvy businessman in that way. Sure. Um, but he he has like this tight crop of directors he keeps going back and doing movies with. Um, mm. 
and those movies make money, and he seems pretty unconcerned with their quality. Um, sure. There's other people who do the whole brand thing and whatever, but they still want to make good movies. And I yeah. haven't, and, and granted, I'm not saying he doesn't, but I've never really seen that guy in social media or whatever talk about like making good, telling good stories. It's just always sure. been about like push harder, be the hardest worker in the room, you know, get out there and earn your keep or whatever. And so mm. I see a guy who's succeeding despite his, you know, a childhood where he grew up wanting and I yeah. have a lot of respect for The Rock personally, um, but when it comes to um, artistry, um, it's sort of like, yeah, you're you're here to make money, and, and that's cool, and I mean, you shouldn't be ashamed of it, but mm. as long as you're not going to tell me that you're making like high art or even medium to low art, um, mm. then that's cool with me. So maybe it's just because he's, you know, he's a, he's a character actor, he's, he's stunt casting, he's The Rock you hire the rock for action films. I mean, it's really the same reason you hire Tom Cruise. The sure. Difference though is, you know, uh, the proof is in the pudding though. Um, considering what kind of action star each of them is. Um, and I just think that, you know, his stick is kind of, maybe it's, maybe it's wearing on people. I don't know. It could be, but you know, yeah, it, it just seems strange to me. Um, I think I think time will tell. I don't know what the next movie The Rock has coming out is, but um, but it might be Jumanji three. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Probably, but at least um, in those movies, he he's playing a character with some range. Sure, like yeah, he, he is. You know, with the, the whole stick is that he's not himself. Yeah, he's playing against type. Yeah, right. So true. You know, but like, but, but there, but, but he's had so many things like Rampage and Skyscraper and these movies that are just kind of crap, um, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and maybe they make some money and stuff, but he has, I mean, he has, he has like a brand team. He has like a marketing team. He sits down with like a dozen people and, and has meetings about, okay, like, you know, and, and, and like he has a whole crew of people, a whole entourage of people. And then their, their whole job is, well, keeping him relevant, keeping his career going, you know, mm-hmm. keeping the brand strong. And again, I respect that, but it's one of those things that I liken to athletes mm. more than I liken to actors. Mm. Like you almost see, I can picture LeBron James having a brand manager and a legal team and a, this person, a publicist and all this stuff. It's kind of weird to me that an actor has those things. I just don't sure. associate those types of things with, with acting. Um, yeah. And, and maybe that's a little bit judgmental of me, but, but I don't, I don't really hear of many other actors who at least overtly have that. I'm sure Downey Junior and a bunch of other actors have some semblance of that, but Robert Downey Jr. isn't out there like talking about his brand and you know, I don't know, wearing Under Armour and and all these other things. Like he 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 as bankable as a star as he is, and Tom Cruise both, you know, very bankable A list stars now. Um, mm-hmm. Don't really talk about much else other than other than the work. Yeah. True. So, I mean, it's unfair to compare Dwayne Johnson to those two, um, but that's that's kind of the the, the scrutiny I, I'm putting him under now. And so, I, do you, do you ever think we'll get a, a Dwayne Johnson like Oscar worthy dramatic performance? Like, like can you imagine like the the moody lighting and the rock sitting like by a fireplace, like crying? Yeah, pulling after the death of his arm. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like do you, do you think that's ever in the cards? No. Yeah. No, he, I, I mean, he, he's gonna, I don't know what his career trajectory is. I mean, I think that's part of why he's just getting while the getting's good right now. Sure. Because eventually he's gonna, he's not gonna be able to keep up his physique. I mean, the guy's already like 50, isn't he? I mean, mm, how old is yeah, Dwayne Johnson? Some, I mean, he's somewhere in he's there. He's older I mean, than you'd think. And, yeah. you know, he, even if you do testosterone replacement therapy and stuff, you're still, you're still, 47. Yeah. 47. Okay. So you're still racing against time there. Yeah. And so I think he knows maybe as an actor that his range is limited, his bread and butter, his bread and, and arm butter is, is, <laughs> is his physique um, and his, sure. and his reputation as a, as a wrestler and as an action star. Um, 
and he's had a really good career for like the last 20 years. So I don't fault the rock. I mean, he'll probably just start sponsoring people. He'll start hosting more game shows. Like he's sort of dipping into now and just sort Mm. of, you know, vertical markets, brand expansion, all these, all these things. And it'll move away from like actually being on set and, and running, um, and fighting CGI monsters. And it'll be more towards like, now I'm going to play a general. Now he'll just sort of transition to these mentor roles where he's not doing as much physically. Um, sure. He'll, he'll wear more, he'll, his t-shirts will get less and less tight. Um, mm, yes. <laughs> you know, just stuff like that where one day he'll just go, Oh wow. He, he's a lot of shape, you know, yeah. just because he's 60 now, you know? Right. Um, and that, that, I guess that's the only, I, I guess the only one, you, the only person you could compare him to really is like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And, and say, okay, like there came a time when Arnold was not going to be able to do anything. Mm-hmm. And then, and then there was like this brief revival for him and Stallone where it's like, oh, okay. It can kind of be part of the shtick that we're really old and yeah. also really fit. And so, and so Dwayne may have that same sort of thing where eventually he's going to hit bottom where it's like, yeah, but you're kind of too old to play it, but not old enough that it's, it's unique. Yeah. And then, and then like, he'll come back with, with something, but, but even like Arnold and, and Stallone every now and then turn out like a performance that's meant to be a little more serious. Mm -hmm. Like, like I'm thinking of Schwarzenegger in, in uh, what was that movie? Maggie. Um, or, or, you know, Stallone and Creed, right? Like, like these are movies that are a little, a little more artistically driven. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't know if I see that for, for the rock. Um, maybe, but, but, but you're right. Like he never really talks about the craft or like performing. He, he's more of like, um, I mean, I think he's still in that athlete mindset where it's like, it's like all of this is a show. Yeah. Um, just like when I was hoodies and, and these these headphones he invented and, you know, exactly. It's it's his, his main thing is like active wear and, you know, hard work, get after it kind of attitude. I, I could also see like in, in a few years when, when maybe the Hollywood thing dies, um, or starts to decline, I could see like a YouTube channel. Mm. or something like, like some sort of like influencer kind of deal, sort of like what Will Smith is doing at the moment. Um, like, like, Hey, I'm going to make a lot of money on just because, because YouTube is so personality based. That's really what the rock is, is a personality. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe I can see something like that, but it is, it is going to be interesting. And and I, I really wish that he would take acting seriously enough to, to stretch himself in some new areas. Um, but yeah, I just don't know if, if we'll see that anytime soon. Well, Hobbs and Shaw is number one right now. It pushed the Lion yes, King uh, out of the spot. Lion King made about $40 million this weekend. Yeah. It's almost up to half a billion dollars domestically. Uh, internationally, is it is at 1.2 billion. Yeah. Um, once upon a time in Hollywood falls, number three makes $20 million. Mm. Um, about up to 80 domestically Spider-Man far from home down to number four, about 8 million up to $360 million domestically and over a billion dollars worldwide. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of all she wrote the box office. Um, what's happening uh, this weekend though? Interesting. Uh, and by that, I mean, odd lineup of movies that are coming out uh or in theaters now um a bunch of them that i haven't heard of um and a couple i'm a little surprised of um one is uh dora and the lost city of gold looks like they made a live action dora the explorer movie have you seen the trailers for this no oh lord it is it is not not great yeah i i would expect nothing else um We've got The Kitchen, which is this some movie that I keep hearing about with uh, Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish, and Elizabeth Moss. Yep. Um, it's based on a DC comic. Oh. Well, Vertigo, but same yeah, difference. Ah, yes. Um, we've got Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which is t- produced by Guillermo del Toro, right? Or is it I believe directed? so. Uh, I don't think it's directed by. Yeah. They put his name on it, but you got to read the fine print. <laughs> right. Um, which I saw the trailer for that and I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's based on a book. Um, mm. but 
honestly, I was underwhelmed by the, the you know the marketing. There's just some scarecrow yeah, yeah. who looks a lot like Hector Hammond in the Green Lantern, mm. where he just has like this swollen face. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> to see him lumbering through like a cornfield, it's like, eh, okay, I've seen this and it's hilarious. Yes, it is <laughs> you know? very funny. The only thing coming out this weekend that I'm interested in in seeing is the peanut butter falcon which um yeah which stars uh shia labeouf and um dakota johnson um and just looks like a really good movie yeah absolutely it's only opening in 17 theaters really yeah wow so yeah, good luck finding it. But yeah, uh, but yeah, it looks it looks like a really good uh, little you know yeah. coming of age kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, with some heart. Yeah, um, I believe I believe that's the film he was shooting in Savannah when he had his his uh, episode. Yes. Um, all right, let's let's talk some film news, Dustin. Let's um, do it. The big, uh, you know, I'd say the big story right now, well, who cares if it's big? The story I picked today to talk about um, (laughs) is, uh, so Disney is a publicly traded company, so every quarter you have to have these, um, these, you know, public um, sort of accounts of what's going on with your finances. So in the Q3, in the quarter three um, analysis, uh, the earn, the earnings call. Um, Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, um, told a bunch of Wall Street analysts um, that the studio has posted a one hundred seventy million dollar operating loss uh, mm-hmm. in in the third quarter here. Um, and the whole reason that this is relevant is that it is essentially taking everything that's in development at Fox and quote redirecting it um, after the mm-hmm. loss, and it's. Largely, uh, <laughs> um, largely due to um, the performance of Dark Phoenix, this past mm-hmm. movie that you know Disney kind of inherited in Fox's post production during the acquisition. Um, it's, uh, it was a huge flop. We talked about it on the show. It only grossed sixty five million dollars domestically on a two hundred million dollar budget. Um, Oof. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, I, Bob Iger said one of the biggest issues was the Fox Studio performance, which was well below where it had been and well below where we hoped it would be when we made the acquisition. Um, mm-hmm. So what they're essentially doing is um, – and so you know, during the call, he confirmed a bunch of you – know, this is when you have to tell the shareholders, now, look, here's how we're going to turn around. So this is where he confirmed like, you know, that, that Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige are going to – use the Fox comic book heroes like the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and start making films out of them. And that's how, that's one way they're going to bring in some money. Um, it's essentially killing the developmental slate um, currently. Um, and it said the company's um, streaming platform, Disney Plus, will get four big brands from Fox to adapt to straight-to-service content. Um, one of them is going to be the the Home Alone, um, I guess, movies. Yeah. Yeah, um, which is kind of sad. Um, Very. Uh, Night at the Museum, which okay, good luck. Um, yeah. Cheaper by the dozen, okay. And yeah. Diary of a uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, which okay. Um, sure. Yeah. Four relatively irrelevant properties. Right. Like, oh, okay. Sure. I didn't even know Fox Home Alone becomes relevant once a year, and that's it. <laughs> right. Um. <laughs> So, let's see. The article says, while many industry insiders have speculated about the long-term survival of Fox as a standalone content engine, uh, Iger said he's assigned his top film lieutenants, Alan Horn and Alan Bergman, to apply the same discipline and creative standards to the division now run by Emma Watts. This means tossing the majority of projects in development, Iger said, taking the label, quote, in a new direction with an all-new development slate that will focus on a select group of properties. Um, So the Avatar movies are going to proceed, as well as apparently there's plans for more Planet of the Apes films. So that's going to go forward. Um, Yeah. Uh, this ought to make people happy. Iger also said the indie label Fox Searchlight will continue on its current trajectory and also make movies for Disney Plus. Um, and Bob Iger basically said it's probably going to take a couple years to, you know, 
for this to have an impact. Um, so the Fox Searchlight thing is interesting to me because everyone freaked out during the state when Disney bought Fox that, oh, they're going to kill Fox Searchlight and all these things. It's like, no, they're going to keep whatever is going to make money. And um, mm-hmm. if Fox Searchlight operates on a pretty low operating cost and generates even modest profits, it's obviously worth keeping um, right. and expanding the brand and the reach of Disney um, through Fox. So, of course, they're going to keep it. Um, I talked about this on the, the mini show a couple of days ago that um, Atlanta just got a fourth season ordered on FX and they haven't even produced the third yet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that's a good sign for that property because um, f- because it, it's successful and Disney's not stupid there. We've been right. saying this from the beginning. If it works, they're going to keep doing it. People think they're going to go in there and censor it. And it's like, no, we're just going to be the people who profit from it. Right. Yeah. The thing is, D- Disney wouldn't have bought Fox if it had intentions of ripping down everything they had done. The idea is that they can now reap the rewards for everything that worked and get rid of everything that didn't. Right. I mean, that's that's what you do. Yeah. So, so if they have something that works, like Atlanta, then yeah. you just leave it alone, right? And that's what they're that's what they're doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, this none of this is really a surprise. It's more just them going like, okay, so yeah, we thought we'd have to make adjustments to Fox, and now we have like a big concrete reason to uh, because you know of this big loss, and um, so we're just going to axe a ton of these projects that we frankly weren't really that into in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. which sort of indicates to me on, on a positive note that they intended just to let everything get made. Like, Hey, let's just respect what they greenlit and see those projects through. And then we, they got the numbers and they're like, okay, looks like we got to do some investigating here. And they went through and thought, Oh, that's a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea. Okay. Get rid of all of those because well, I don't know what they were thinking and then mm-hmm. keep the ones that, you know, they assess. So that at least tells me that they tried to respect the current slate, but then it started yeah. to eat into the profits and they, you know, axed it, which I would. You do what you have to do to turn a profit. Right. So yeah. anyway, that's sort of the, that's, that's just, it got posted like a whole oh, quarterly drop. What's Disney going to do? First of all, Disney could have a quarterly drop for three years straight and they'd be fine. Oh yeah. But again, it's not, it's, it's because x-men bombed so hard right um hold on a second let this thing catch up make sure it doesn't screw me over here um the other thing disney related in the news was the disney plus launch date cost all that stuff sort of came out the other day um with a little bit more specificity I don't think I knew this. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we did know this. I didn't know this. So we knew the release date was November 12th this year. Um, I didn't know that the cost was $6.99 a month. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. $70 a year, um, which is much less expensive than Netflix. So that's got to mm-hmm. sting. Um, yep. It's got a bunch of stuff on it. Um, you know, all those Marvel shows we talked about uh, last week. Um you know, other Star Wars shows, the Simpsons are on there. Malcolm in the Middle is on there. Um, they're going to make shows out of High School Musical, Monsters, Inc., The Sandlot. Again, yeah. these are very odd. I mean, have at it. Surprise right. me. The Sandlot? I, I may be one of the biggest fans of The Sandlot. I don't care about I have about no a, interest in this show. Not at all. <laughs> uh, um. You know, and a bunch of their recent movies are going to be on there, too. Um, it also sure. says they're going to have a live-action version of Lady and the Tramp. Um, yeah, that's the, been in development for a while. Yeah. Uh, a bunch Although, of, although I think we thought it was going to be theatrical. Yeah, so I guess it's I going know. straight to the service. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's just a little bit of update on Disney+, Plus. if you didn't know uh, what was going on with that. I mean, I... I knew that was coming. So that's, that's just as cheap as Hulu is, mm-hmm. um, which we have now. And my wife just sort of pays for it with her money. And I said, well, I'm, we're going to get Disney and plus. She's like, I'm not gonna pay for Disney. We don't need it. We got the, and I was like, okay, I'll pay for it out of pocket. I'll pay for it. Cause I'm looking forward to Disney plus. Yep. Um, I'm excited about uh, at least some of the content I'm getting. And your kids um, will get a lot of use out of it too. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. Um, so that's uh yeah that's Disney Plus. Um, can I go through 
a list with you, Dustin. Let's do it. I thought this would be of interest to you. There's an article on Cinema Blend where they decided for some reason to rank um, Christopher Nolan's movies. Okay. So you've, I believe you've seen all of his films. Um, yeah. And you might have an opinion about the ranking. So I'm going to read you their ranking and I want you to see if you agree at all with their placement. And if you okay, need to get specific, I'll pull a selection. Sure. So, number 10, um, following. Okay. Number nine, Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. Um, number eight, Insomnia. Mm-hmm. Number seven is Interstellar. Mm-hmm. Number six is Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Number five is Inception. Wait a minute, where's six? That was six. Still, okay, sorry, I'm, I'm going insane. Number five good, is Inception. Good. Number four is The Dark Knight Rises. Number three is The Prestige. Number two is The Dark Knight. And number one is Memento. Okay. Do those, do any of those seem out of place to you? I, I have not seen all these films. Okay. I, I like Memento. It's, it's, it's inventive, but I mean, I don't know if I'd put it at number one. And and I don't know uh, if I put the Dark Knight at number one either. I mean, I think I, I I might put the Prestige at the top of his list personally. I I would put the Prestige at the top. You would, okay. That's I such would. a good movie. It's so it's good. it's phenomenal. It, it's so underrated. Yeah. Um. And and I know a lot of people, for whatever reason, kind of like to talk trash about it. Mm. But I I really love the Prestige. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and so, yeah, I would probably put that at number one. To me, it's the most quintessential Nolan movie in that, A, it uses so many of his you know frequent collaborators, and B, it, it does the nonlinear storytelling um, in a way that I think is actually smarter than Memento. Mm. I mean, Memento is great. Memento yeah. certainly was groundbreaking and, um, and all of that, but... Uh, it was almost like a trial run for how right how nonlinear can we get, and it still makes sense. Yes. Um, yeah, the execution and, of of Memento is is understandably dated. Sure. Yeah. But but it, I mean it, it is a it is a really good movie though. Yeah. Um, I'd put Memento yeah, I think like, would, the, like the middle of the list, like five. Like, sure. This is a good concept. It just doesn't hold up on a on a on our technical level, you know, as much as these other ones do. Yeah. So, so let me, let's do this. This is the first time I'm hearing this list. So I'm going to, I'm going to also create one, uh, off the top of my head. So this is subject to being different. If you ask me tomorrow, um, (laughs) number one, I would do the prestige. Uh I would put the dark Knight at number two. Yeah. Um, Although I think Batman, we've talked about this before. I think Batman Begins is the better Batman movie. Yeah. I think The Dark Knight is the better film. The better film. Yep. Um, so I put The Dark Knight at number two. Mm-hmm. I think I would do. Uh, it's uh, seems oddly self-serving, but I think I would do Batman Begins at number three. Yeah. Um, it, it accomplished a whole heck of a lot. I think I would then put Memento at four. Um, and then I would probably put, uh, then I'd probably put the dark Knight rises at five. Um, I would do insomnia at six. Hmm. I would do Interstellar at seven. Yeah. uh, Which is where they had it. And I would do... I would do following... No, no, no. I would do... Yeah, I'd do following at eight. Which one am I missing here? Oh, Um, oh, Inception. Inception. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. I would Uh, put Inception below Interstellar. Even though I, I enjoy Inter, uh, Inception more than Interstellar, I think Interstellar is probably a, a, a bigger achievement. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think it's the bigger achievement, but I do think Inception's the better movie. Yeah. Um, oddly enough, so so yeah, I would put I would I would go Inception at seven. Yeah, I'd go Inception at seven, 
Interstellar at eight. Yeah. Following. Then I would say following and then Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Um, and that's not to say that I don't like Dunkirk. Um, I really did like Dunkirk. Sure. Um, but it is the only Christopher Nolan movie that I don't own. Um, it's not something that I really want to watch over and over. Yeah. Um, and to me, so, so I think I said this in a review and I don't remember if it was on this show or just in general to people that I've talked to, um, is, is that Dunkirk had this, this feeling of, uh, where it just didn't have character. Like there were characters in it, but the characters didn't have character. And part of that, I think, was was purposeful, yeah. right? It's like these these people are people that you come across in the trenches. You don't get to know them. You just do what you got to do to survive. And and so in a way, it puts you, the audience member, in that same sort of um, position where you're like, I don't know these people, but I want them to live. You, and, and, and so I understand that that's kind of what maybe he was going for, but because of its lack of character, I have to put it at the bottom of the list. Right. And I, and I gotta give him credit for like, you know, looking at the concept that he was trying to achieve and then, you know, through that deciding like, all right, well, if I want to achieve this, then these men won't have character because that's not the point of why I make this film. So as an artist, I give him credit for making such a decision, but mm. I haven't seen Dunkirk, but from what I've heard described of it, it's, it's not for me. Um, yeah. because it's that same thing of like, I applaud him for being honest and executing the concept, you know, to the end that he wanted it to, mm. but as a viewer, I need characters. Yeah, totally. So, you know, interesting concept, you know, cool looking execution, but I, I, I purposely didn't check it out. And, 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 and that's a whole conversation about, oh, well, you can even give it a chance. That's called selective, man. I'm, I'm selective about the movies I get into. And you got to you gotta yeah. sell me up front. And, yeah, totally. You know, if, if, if I hear a bunch of people who I tend to agree with on film analysis telling me that it's pretty boring because you're not invested in the characters, that's, uh, that's probably how I'm going to feel about it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Or at least it doesn't make you want to seek it out and watch it. Right. Yeah. Right. So anyway. All right. How about we do this? Let's run to the break real quick. We're going to come back. I want to, there's a little piece of, a little tidbit of Batman news we're going to talk about. Yeah. Speaking of Chris Nolan. Um, by the way, I don't know where I, where, how I would rank Nolan's films. I, again, because I, I haven't seen uh, maybe three or four of them. Um. Mm-hmm. Which ones have you not seen? I have not seen Following. Okay. Um, I have not seen Insomnia. I think I rented mm-hmm. it at one point. I didn't get through it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it was slow, if I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Following, Insomnia, Dunkirk. Uh, damn, I got rid of the list. Um, I think well, yeah, I have seen the rest. So, all right, fine. Fuck it. Let's do a top seven. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm going to put, um, I'll put the prestige at number one. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Yeah. I'll also put the Dark Knight number two. Um. I and this is just for my my enjoyment, I guess. So I will put. All right. What remains? Batman Begins. Dark. Uh, um. Dark Knight Rises. Interstellar. Inception. And. Memento. Memento. Again, I like Memento, but I put him. At, I'd put it at the bottom of that list. Just. Just mm-hmm. because I don't know, but I only I I did only see Interstellar once, so it's tough. I'll put inner. I will put okay number of okay Prestige, The Dark Knight, um, oh, Inception. So creative and inventive, but like it is hard to rewatch it after a while because you're used to the exposition dump. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put Batman Begins at three i'll put inception at four i'll put the dark knight rises at five um interstellar at six memento at seven okay yeah and really after after those first two it's a really a toss-up i think the dark knight and the prestige are definitely his best films yeah um by far and the rest the rest are all sort of chasing third for me yep i agree yeah that's my list um, cool. All right. Well, we'll run to the break. We'll be right back. Hoopercast movie hour. 
Yeah. We got uh, Kevin Conroy in the film news today, or recently. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's going on with uh, our old uh, our old favorite Batman there, Dustin? So, uh, if you guys listened to the movie hour last week, which I hope you did, um, we covered some news from Comic-Con, and part of that news was that Brandon Ralph would be once again suiting up as Superman in uh, the upcoming crossover event for the CW Arrowverse um, series of shows. Um, and, um, and that was super exciting to me just to see him back in that role. Um, and uh, our good pal Kevin Conroy is going to actually be able to play in live action for the first time ever, Bruce Wayne. Um, this is super exciting. He's going to be playing an, an older Bruce Wayne. Um, so no, no word yet on you know how this time traveling Bruce Wayne fits in, or if he's time traveling. I mean, I, I would assume he is. He's a lot older than all the other heroes um, <laughs> by a large margin. So I'm assuming that there's going to be some time travel involved. Um, so I'm are we going 26. to 26? Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so are we going to get, you know, uh, Terry McGinnis? Are we going to get that sort of thing? Like that would be super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so anyway, you know, I don't know if we'll see Kevin in the cowl, um, in the costume at all, or if he'll just be playing like old man, Bruce Wayne, kind of like, uh, you know, With a I don't know. Yeah. Just kind of talking to people and that's Kane. fine too, because uh, Bob Kane, yes. Um, <laughs> and pointing at them with his bill finger, <laughs> um, <laughs> ah, get off my lawn. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is exciting. It's the first, um, appearance of Bruce Wayne in the Arrowverse. So that's cool. And it's just great to see Kevin Conroy finally get the chance to play him in live action. Um, Kevin is a, uh, veteran stage actor and has done a few, uh, you know, pieces of film work. Um, but, uh, but is obviously most known for his voice work. So if he just gets to sit around and talk, I'm cool with that too. Um, so I think the, the, the coolest part about this to me is not necessarily even that Kevin is doing this, but just that the, uh, Arrowverse creators are, are digging deep to find cool things to do. Uh, the latest rumor is that Linda Carter may be playing wonder woman in this thing. Um, I don't know that that would happen. Um, but that's the rumor. And, uh, um, they and really so, need to let Mark Hamill be the Joker. Wouldn't that be great? That's, that's a hundred percent what I'm hoping for. Oh man. It, They're just I, not going to announce it. Yeah. I really want to see, cause they, cause he's already got ties to the Arrowverse. So, right. um, it's very possible. And, um, but yeah, I, I would love to see that. And I'd love to see like a live action Terry McGinnis. And in fact, if they wanted to do a, a future set Batman Beyond series, well, okay, I, I would love to see a movie. But if I have to settle for the live action CW show, I'll settle for it. Um, I uh, especially if Kevin Conroy gets to be Bruce week to week. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 pumped. I think that'll be really cool. I, again, I'm not I'm not all caught up on the Arrowverse and there's a few of those shows that I just don't even watch, but, um, I, I do like to tune in for the event, you know, the crossover, um, just to see kind of what they do. It's always something relatively cool. Um, so, so we'll see, um, we'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm pumped for it. I, I think it's, it's time that, you know, Kevin gets his due. So I'm, yeah. I'm cool with it. That's really great. Yeah, man, it's it's just it's just cool to see them like 
reaching out and doing this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, one can only imagine if Adam West were still alive, they'd be reaching out to him. Um, and, and, you know, just the idea of seeing all of these characters pop up in various forms and, um, that's just super cool to me. So, uh, so now I'm hoping for like Tim Daly to show up as Superman somewhere or something, but, um, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's super cool. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, one of the things that voice actors always say, and it's sort of like a, it's almost like the the smiling clown sort of thing, or or, or the the tears of the clown thing. Sometimes where they say, you know, one of the great things about voiceover is that, you know, and it might have been like Kevin Conroy or or Mark Hamill who said, like, I clearly don't look the part, but I can mm-hmm. voice the part, and that's very freeing as an actor because I'm not the conventional type you would cast for this live action. Right. So it's almost like that's why they love voice acting. But there is like a tiny little suggestion of like, isn't that sad though that I would never be cast as the Joker in in, in live action? And here we are seeing that somebody's casting Kevin Conroy to be Bruce Wayne in live action. Right. <clears throat> I mean, objectively, he doesn't look like Bruce Wayne. <laughs> he doesn't no. look like the kind of person I would I would I would cast as Batman. But sounds like him. And who's to say mm-hmm. what Bruce Wayne looks like, especially as an old man. And right. hell, if the Joker is going to be present and he's like 60 something, you know, yeah, he could, he, maybe he ought to be like a stick, you know, like he is in the, um, in the, you know, in the, in the comics or in the video game, but maybe he is about Mark Hamill's build, you know? Sure. I mean, sure. What, what, what's, what's wrong with that? Especially in, especially in, in the TV, you know, maybe it'd be different if it was in, you know, if it was on the big screen, like, you know, and then you got people going like, oh, he doesn't really look like the Joker, you know, oh, mad, you know, mad respect to Mark Hamill. He doesn't really look like the Joker, you know, whereas mm-hmm. on the CW, that's not nearly as big of a deal, like the physicality of the actor you cast. Yeah, totally. I mean, hell, I'm, Grant Gustin doesn't really look like the Flash to me. No, he doesn't. He, do, he does not have the typical superhero build. That's right. for sure. He's just sort of like this lanky dude. Yeah, he's you just know? a dude. Yeah. Yeah, but there he is. He's Barry Allen, you know? And and you know what? He's great. Yeah. Because he's believable as that version of the character. Yeah. And uh and I have no doubt that Kevin Conroy will be able to pull off this this version of Bruce Wayne. Um so so I'm excited. Yeah. That's some cool news. Yeah. Um all right. Let's, uh, we got some time left. Let's talk about a movie, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Let's, Dustin, you want to talk about Cargo. Yeah. Um, which came out or, you know, I guess was released in 2017, a couple of years old. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Tell us about Cargo. Sweet. Have you seen this? No. Okay. I didn't even know this existed. The first people I've seen. The first people who are still people. What's the count left on them? Forty-six hours, give or take. They're setting out hunting parties. If you want to give this baby a second chance, you just stay away. What's this? Just making hay while the sun shines. The sun's not shining, Beck. I'm not gonna hurt you. Promise you. Let's help each other. Ah, okay. So so this was on my list to to view since 2017, and I finally got around to doing it. Um I don't know. I guess I just forgot about it. Like, like I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this. And then just completely off my radar. And then one day I had a minute and I was like, oh, I will do this. Um, so Cargo is um, is a post-apocalyptic zombie story. Um, so if you're into those, uh, here's one. Um, the, the story revolves around Martin Freeman, who plays um, a character named Andy. Andy and his wife Kay are um, on a boat when the film begins. 
making their way, I believe they're in Australia and they're kind of making their way down this river. And um, the apocalypse has already happened. The outbreak is already, it's already a thing. Mm -hmm. So um, they are on this boat, which is actually pretty smart because they can't be, you know, trifled with. Um, and so they're, they're on this boat, but they're starting to run out of supplies. Um, and one day while his wife is asleep, um, Andy decides to go, uh, check out this, uh, or maybe she's not asleep. I mean, I can't remember. Anyway, the point is he decides to go check out this boat. They come across a boat that has, it's basically half sunk. And so, um, he goes and, uh, gets on this half sunk boat and kind of wanders around in the, in the water and finds, um, a few things. Um, one of, one thing is he finds a bottle of wine an unopened bottle of wine that he's going to take back to his wife. It'll be a nice little gift for her. And so he, he takes that back onto the ship and gives this to her and, you know, she's happy and everything's great and, um, blah, blah, blah. Um, as things happen, um, uh, in these zombie movies, typically things kind of start to spiral out of control and his wife is bit. Um, now what do you do when your wife is going to turn and you and your small infant daughter are going to be left alone? Um, so you, 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 try to get her somewhere where maybe just maybe there's hope. Um, we're going to go to this army base. We're going to get you here. Maybe they've found something, some way to help. And so they start to go, uh, to this army base. They get off the boat, they get in a car, they start traveling. They find a car, they start traveling. No, just have a car. They start traveling and, um, and, you know, as things often happen in these zombie movies, um, again, things spiral out of control. And this is sort of the the norm for this film is is things will happen and they seem rather innocuous until they're just not. And, and it's just a downward spiral for a few minutes. And then you're like, okay, so this is the new normal. And then it's another downward spiral. And then this is the new, and then there's another downward spiral. And so this is sort of the, the, the formula here for this film. And so, um, to some that may be a little bit, uh, heavy to watch, but to me, the, the grounding of this story is that Martin Freeman is, having to protect this child, this infant, uh, the best way that he can. Um, but of course, um, that's hard to do in the apocalypse. And so, um, what I really liked about this movie and about this zombie tale is the world. Um, so if you're used to like the walking dead, right, where, um, early in the walking dead, we see somebody turn very slowly, they get bit, they get a fever, they die, they come back. Um, it's a little bit different here, um, in that it, it just seems to take longer and, and you don't necessarily like get progressively worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, and worse until you die. Like, it's not like the fever takes you and then you die and then you come back, but rather, um, once you're bit, you've got like, it, it's fairly well-timed. You've got, I forget what it is, 24, 48 hours, 72 hours, whatever it is. You've got that amount of time. That's how long it takes for the venom, so to speak, to, to completely shut you down. And so there's not like a, um, a moment where you, you die necessarily. You just kind of turn from a functioning human into an, a, a, a non-human. Mm. And so, so it's not necessarily like the undead. It's just, you are not, you're just base instinct at this point. And so, and so I like the idea that it's, it's not necessarily the undead. It's the, it's the inhuman, and, and that I really, really thought was great. And so, so it's the, the idea of this dad trying to protect his daughter, which, which of course is perhaps the most human thing you can do, right. um, juxtaposed in this world where you're losing humanity. 
and uh, and it's just a beautiful little piece. Um, the the writer and then directing duo here, uh, they actually worked together on a short film a few years ago, back in 2013. And so this is based on that short film. So, so these people have, have literally lived with this story for so long that by the time it comes to the screen here in this form, it's a well-polished machine. Um, the story is frightening, um, not in a jump scare kind of way, but just in a, like, Oh crap! This is intense, kind of way. Yeah, and um, and it's it, it's just so beautifully bleak, and that's not how I would describe something like The Walking Dead, which is like bleak in a in like a fetishistic kind of way. Yeah, this is just beautifully like artistically bleak. And, and it's, it was just so refreshing to me. I haven't really seen a zombie movie in quite some time. Um, so, so I really enjoyed this. I thought it was a lot of fun, um, as much fun as watching people, you know, slowly lose their humanity is, um, <laughs> We, and we uh, see it every day, Dustin. <laughs> this is true. We're, this is we're true. in it right now. We, we're living this. <laughs> it's all a metaphor. Um, and, and it, you know, it, it's, it's a good watch. And, um, and like I said, the world is so good. It, it's not your typical zombie kind of thing. Um, it's got little twists here and there, which are great. And, and just the idea of it being set like in the Australian outback and, and there's, uh, you know, the Aborigines and, and all of this kind of thing just adds to this, um, unique feel that this film has um, because, you know, we're used to, okay, this is the American South or this is, I mean, that's what the walking dead is as a zombie land is, but, but then you have, well, I guess zombie land was kind of, it was shot in the South. I don't think it was set in the South. No, I think Zombieland was but was Los Angeles was supposed to be Los Angeles still. Oh, you're right. Yeah, duh, because they go to those stars' houses. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, but it was shot in Georgia. That's what I'm thinking. Right. Um, and then, um, and then, and then, you know, we've seen like 28 Days Later, right? You've got London. Yeah. Um, so we've seen this kind of thing, but then um, I don't know. It's just cool to see it in like the the Australian outback. And so, um, anyway, I just had a, had a really good time with this movie. Um, it is worth your time. Um, if you're scrolling through Netflix and you're just like, what in the world do I watch tonight? Like you can't find anything. This is a good option for you. Um, especially if you do kind of like zombie movies, um, it's intense. Um, but not, not in a, in a, uh, in a tiring way it's intense in just like a philosophical way. Yeah. Um, and, and that, and that to me was always more interesting anyway. So, um, so I really loved this movie. I'm going to give it four stars. Um, as far as the ending goes, and obviously I'm not going to spoil anything here. Um, as far as the ending goes, there may be, um, there may be some that don't care for the ending. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good, proper thematic ending, um, but there may be some that don't. Um, and so uh, I, I guess I would say if you are really looking for, you know, I can't really even say anything without spoiling it. So I'm just going to say if you tend to be, uh, everything I say is going to spoil it. Um, <laughs> Let, let's let's do this. If you enjoyed, uh, if you enjoyed something like Twenty Eight Days Later, I think you'll enjoy this. Um, if Twenty Eight Days Later was a little too bleak, or a little too depressing, or a little too uh, open ended for you, then probably this may feel that same way. Um, but I do think that the difference in the world here is it makes this different in an interesting way. So, um, so even if you didn't like 28 days later, you might still find something here. Um, 
So anyway, uh, all that to say, uh, I enjoyed this movie, Cargo. It's on Netflix. It doesn't cost you anything. You're already paying for Netflix. Um, so if you're looking for something to watch this weekend, uh, this is not a bad pick. Um, yeah. So there you go. Cargo. Cargo, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, I, there's a, there's the book um, by um, – oh, man. Blanking on his name. Max something – um. Oh boy, I forgot his last name. Um, and it's the Max the, Goof. The, the no, <laughs> not Max Goof. <laughs> um, but it's the zombie survival handbook, and it and it's a really fun book. Um, if not for the same sort of reasons that movies like this can be fun, which is like it says, look. If there was a real like zombie outbreak, here's the sort of terrain you'd you'd want to be at, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think it's interesting to put the genre in in different settings. Obviously, we've seen zombie movies in in large, you know, metropolitan cities. You yeah, know, now we've explored them in kind of like the suburban, you know, and and rural um, American South and Walking Dead. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'd love to see a zombie movie um, in like in, in in like a beach town. You know, yeah, and like yeah, an totally. Amity, Amity Island type of thing, or yeah, you know, Hawaii uh, sort yeah. of deal, or or somewhere where there's already a lot of wild animals, like S- South America or something. Although it's not sure as dangerous because there's not as, as many people to infect. But but the idea being that it's 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 a genre that that one of the ways to keep it fresh is is like you said, put it somewhere where we're not used to seeing these types of stories being told. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and there's other ways to introduce conflict. You could, you know, be stuck in the Amazon jungle, and yeah, there's like an indigenous tribe that all just got turned. So you got. Would you call? Would them. you call that film the Brain Forest? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I just trying to think of some Am- a- uh, Amazon Brain Forest. Amazon Brain Forest. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, but you could have like a tribe full of zombies in the in the jungle and still be like, okay, so that's bad. But I also got to watch out for these jaguars too, because right, they're right. still just regular jaguars that are dangerous. No, what if um, they were zombie jaguars? Oh, dude, no, dude, they want some brains, and the only way to kill them is to shoot them in the head. <laughs> they're unstoppable, man. They're too fast. You can't shoot a, a jaguar in the head. Yeah, well. But that, but but you know what I'm saying like there's there's ways yes. <laughs> there's 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 ways to keep the keep the genre fresh and uh, yeah totally uh, fresh like a like a like a nice tasty brain brain <laughs> um, <laughs> yes uh, all right well that's cargo it is on Netflix as you said and uh, yeah that makes me want to check it out yeah well so I noticed like as I was talking about it it's like th- this film it, it's so hard to to summarize because the film, like I feel like if you watch the trailer um, it it does a really good job of just kind of setting up the movie. But the thing is the film is on like a track. It's a train on a track and it does not deviate. And, and, and to me that's such a a cool concept that uh, it's not even a novel concept. It's just that your story is unfolding. Um, but the story unfolds in such a, a perfect way that, that really, if I tell you what happens a, a third of the way down the line, that feels like it's too much because you can already guess where the end is going to be because it's on the same track. Yeah. Right. Like, like there's not like crazy twists and turns. This isn't a roller coaster. This is a straight train track. And you're just like barreling to the end of these tracks. And so it's so it's so hard to to summarize what's happening here without giving away the ending just because the ending is exactly what it says it's going to be from the beginning. And um, so so I think from a structure perspective, from a story perspective, you and I like to talk about this. Um, from a story structure perspective, this is a just like a master class in here's the story. We're, we're gonna we're gonna put it on the train tracks. We're gonna flip the switch, and it's just gonna go. And there's no like frills or weird things. It's just going down the line, and and that's just so so 
I don't know. It's just so interesting because because at that point it's not it's not story driven. It's character driven. It's it's the characters announce what they're doing and they're just gonna go. And 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 yeah, I just enjoyed the heck out of it. So yeah, it's got an eighty seven on Rotten Tomatoes. Also, if people yeah. if that matters to anybody, um, yeah, yeah, getting getting good uh, good re- some critic review some. Woman on Common Sense Media over here on the uh, the side of the, the Google search for it. Uh, by making a father-daughter journey the core of this story and by using horror tropes of the genre solely to impede them, the directors have made an original, highly satisfying film. That's yeah. high praise of any movie these days, especially genre. Yeah. yeah. So, cool. All right. That's it. That is the Hoopercast Movie Hour this week. Um, it's Friday now, so you'll get uh, the little mini-sode on, uh, on Monday with the weekend box office. Um, we gotta think of a name for that, Dustin. Yeah, we should. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll work on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, all right, everybody. Good night. See you later. Have a good weekend. See the movies. See some good movies. Uh, use your time wisely. Yes. Yes. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.